Hello and welcome to the Permanent Good Podcast, a podcast that's part movie club, part improv comedy. My name is Craig Wells, a.k.a. Permanent Handle. I'm Alex Good, a.k.a. Alex Good. And we were looking to find uh, a guest that we could have on the podcast this time around. Because, you know, we did guests last year and we wanted to do guests again this year. But, like, Alex and I looked really hard and we just couldn't find anybody that, like, really met the standard that we were trying to live up to. So uh, I just wanted to let you know that we tried. Wow, you really lowered so, the bar for I don't me. know who said that. So we tried <laughs> finding a guest, but we, we just couldn't. I wanted to let you know that ahead of time. Yeah, no. No guests allowed No guests allowed. To work. I, I, listen, hey, audience, if you don't know who the mysterious third voice is, um, that, that's my brother, Andrew. Um, I don't know how he got in the Discord call. Also, um, he just kind of showed it's up. It's Discord. It, you just cl- click join. It's not yeah, that hard. So it's weird because it's a private server and like, I don't know, I just showed up and he was there. I tr- I called Discord to try to get him to leave and they just like wouldn't let us. So, um, yeah, I guess but we, we all know how low key garbage of a company Discord is. So. <laughs> I love it, dude. So this is just the episode. <laughs> this is the episode. Yeah, this is gonna be. It's gonna would be a pretty say, casual one. Hey, Craig, just guys having fun. Would you say this is it? No, I'm not gonna say that. Oh man, I'm not actually, because I, Craig, okay. the king of stupid puns on this podcast, had to stop and think about what you said, and I'm ref- like, I don't even know where to go, Andrew. You've ruined me. Introducing the movie. Yeah, let's just introduce the movies. This week (laughs) we are watching both it movies uh, uh, of the modern millennium, and you know we're gonna go whole hog on these bad boys. We're gonna we're gonna we're gonna ring out some spoilers. So if you don't want to hear us talk about the movies, uh, you can skip to this time code right here. Time code forty nine minutes twenty five seconds. These movies are kind of scary, huh? Dude, I loved it. I see. Here's the thing: they are so much scarier than the seven other movies we've done for Halloween so far. I mean, I guess yes. if we count Hoobie Halloween, <laughs> but like, I know that one was kind of scary. They stepped it up so hard. I'm like, oh, I forgot. We have not been yeah. watching real horror. We have. Yeah, this is so. <laughs> this is like the first big budget horror movie you guys have watched. This is true. This is. You're right. All the other ones have kind of been like indie horror movies. You're right, Andrew. <laughs> I and this is the first movie that we've watched. Maybe aside from Saw, uh, an argument could be made that is not a slasher movie. Every other movie we've watched for horror has been a slasher movie. This right. one isn't. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so that, that's kind of what this movie has going for it is it's not trying to be a slasher and it has, you know, all star casting and a big budget. So it shows. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if, yeah if, the production quality is definitely one of the best out of any horror movie I've ever seen. Yeah, I definitely felt like they were trying to put this in movie theaters. Like this movie is going to be good. We need to appeal to a wide audience. And we need we need to attract people who are not normally into scary movies to go see this. And let's not forget that um, it has a reputation, right? This is an adaptation of a book that already had an adaptation. So it was in the cultural zeitgeist. So a lot of this yeah. movie's advertisement 
was based on like reputation. So it's like, you know, the story, watch it with a big budget this time. Cause the last time it was adapted, it was adapted into a two part TV movie. So like the budget was much lower. Like you still had good cast members in it. Like Tim Curry was Pennywise. Um, but, you know, a TV movie in 1990 versus a Warner Brothers picture in 2017, like, that's vastly different of what you can do with it. And to, like, lead into the context of it already being in the zeitgeist of pop culture is, well before these movies were made, my AP U.S. history teacher, who was the stereotypical football jock teacher, was, uh, this was, like, the one... IP that he would go nowhere near because it freaked him out so much as a kid. So it's like, <laughs> even though I had already seen these movies before watching them for the podcast, is like when I was going into the theaters to watch these movies the first go around, that's the one I had going into is like the scariest teacher in the school is scared of this uh, intellectual property. Yeah, it felt weird going into this movie because I'd only heard good things. And the thing is, is people who are into scary movies or into horror or slashers or whatever, when they say a movie's good, it doesn't mean anything. Because those are the people who are into that kind of stuff. It's like, yes. I, people talk about a football game and do like, that was an amazing football game. And I'm like, I don't know what that means. Does it mean it was close? Does it mean it was a blowout? Does it mean that your team won? Was there no turnovers? Were there lots of turnovers? Was it a defensive? Like, I don't know what that means. So when people say like, dude, this, the it movies are super good. I'm like, what I don't, does that mean? The plot's good, acting's good. Like, is it really scary? Are there no jump scares? Yeah, and apparently, the is like, yes this to movie, all of the above. I mean, they they weren't messing around. It felt like a no. a good movie that was scary, and especially the first it, dude. It was scary all the time. Like there wasn't yeah. like a bunch of safe spots where now okay now let's talk about it. Let's talk about like the bad guy. The bad guy was in every fifteen minutes. Yes, everywhere. Do we actually want to talk about the plot? I mean, I guess. Hey, a bunch of kids get terrorized by a by a supernatural clown. You're caught up. Um, Bill Skarsgård. Bill Skarsgård does a really good job as Pennywise. Um, Like he's just so good, right? And I think he's done some interviews where he's like, yeah, it's kind of weird that everyone's like, I'm a really natural Pennywise. Like that's a weird compliment to give someone. But hey, I'm gonna give it anyway. You nailed it, bud. <laughs> yeah, got it. I G- got it, dude. Also, this movie had amazing vibes. Now I know a lot, like Macy compared to this to like um, Stranger Things, the '80s feel. Yeah, maybe all, everything in the '80s feels like that. Any '80s movie about kids might have that Stranger Things vibe. I haven't seen Stranger Things, but this movie is vibes, bro. Yeah, so this so movie cool. came out. This movie came out, came out in a in period where lots of um, 80s things were happening in that kind of area. Like this, uh, Str- Stranger Things was in its second season and it was like really popping off. Um, and th- there were other 80s things that I can't recall off the top of my head. But like that was the aesthetic for that year. Um, I think it was just kind of coincidence all those things happened at once. Um so if you like that aesthetic, we were being fed that year. Yeah. And I mean, like now I'm, I'm joining it late. It's sweet, dude. So the story takes place in 89 
Um, and there's also another cool thing is there's a lot of kids in this movie. There's a lot of characters. And I, yes. I liked that too. Yeah. Um, I didn't. I mean, Stan sucks. Stanley sucks. Yeah. Every, I was on board with everybody else. There's seven kids in the main group. And especially in the first movie. Actually, it's a problem in both movies. Because in the first movie, they're kids. And they all look the same. Because they haven't hit puberty and gained definitive features. And in the second movie, I don't know which adult is supposed to be which one. Oh, I, I had no problem with that the entire movie. Except for when they introduced um, Ben. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> what? Zach Efron? Like what? This guy has a six pack. Yeah. After they did like the interruption, interruption. What am I saying? After they did the introductions and everything, like it became easier. But like you, like uh, Stanley and Eddie and Bill were all like they all looked way too similar as kids for me to like really differentiate between the two. And like you said, Stanley sucks. He like doesn't do a lot in the first movie to the point where like when the movie ended and he has that head wrap, I'm like, what did you do to earn that? Right. I'm like, wait, it, what happened again? Is your defining characteristic the fact that you got hit in the head at I the think. end of the movie? But the thing is there's there's a couple people that when I saw them like, I knew exactly who that was. Eddie, yeah. his in um cha- I mean we're jumping back and forth between it and chapter two. His adult looks the closest to him. I think they did the best with him. Obviously, Beverly is a redhead, so they just got literally one of the three redheads in Hollywood as an adult to play her. Um, I would say that Richie looks very similar. I think the glasses is doing a lot of heavy lifting, bro. It, well, it's the glasses with dark, semi-curly hair. Okay. Also, I mean, there's only one black dude in the group, so that was pretty easy. <laughs> yeah. So let's go. let's go back and talk about the first one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So let's go talk about the first one a little bit more. Um, this movie came out before Finn Wolfhard was a good actor. I dig um, it, dude. Every time he had a line, I was laughing out loud. I loved yes, it. I loved he definitely every- is the comedic relief in this movie, but there's something about like the way he delivers his lines that it just felt very like, I'm a kid and this is the first time that I get to say it because I'm on set on a movie and I'm allowed to say these curse words. Like, that's kind of the, that's kinda the like vibe he gave off. Because I feel like these are all playing middle schoolers. So they this is like the fifth time they've ever sworn. It needs to feel unnatural. And it came across like that every yeah. single time. Like, I think oh, my favorite, these guys don't swear very often. I think my favorite piece of yes, trivia about this movie is that when they, when Finn went back on set to Stranger Things for season three, the directors had to pull him aside and be like, hey, you are cursing way too much. Like, I know you learned all this from your fun friends on the It movie, but like, here we need to tone it down a little bit. Dude, I'm, I was on board. Favorite, probably my favorite character in He's easily my least favorite. So part so part one, I hate it. I don't hate it. It's a very good movie. It is by far my least favorite out of the two because middle schoolers are my least favorite people on this planet. <laughs> this is fair. And so we just dropped they half our all. Demo. So every single every single person is in this movie is is peak middle schooler in one way, shape, or form. And it just grinds my gears in 
the exact wrong way. And so it's just like, it is, you're right, it is middle schoolers who are, who are swearing because they are away from their parents and can get away with swearing. It is middle schoolers who have never been around a girl other than passing glances who are now suddenly thrust into being in close proximity to a girl for hours on end. And it's like, I get it. It is, they are learning how to person, but it is, they, they're fulfilling every single middle school trope that grinds my gears the exact wrong way. And that's what I liked about it. <laughs> it no, it was direct. Di the direction was fantastic. Cause that is a hundred percent what they were going for. And so, and the, the acting was great. The direction was great. The shooting on it was great. I just really hate middle yeah. schoolers. Um, I, I I share that sentiment, Andrew, with half of them. So I think Richie, Eddie, and Stanley were way too middle schooler TM. But like Ben, Bill, Bev, and Mike were like I was down to clown with them. Like they they were like they were they felt the most normal. Yeah, Not, but I felt like they felt like high schoolers. They felt too normal for me. I'm like, no, these guys were in elementary school two years ago. Okay? Like, and half of them have abusive and weird parents. Yeah. I do want to shout out uh, yeah. Sophia Lillis for carrying the loser squad uh, in terms of acting performances. Like, I mean, you I, guys yeah. are gunning for these kids, bro. Well, no, listen, I think they did good jobs. All right. I, I think that just Sophia Lillis did the best and it's not even a close contest. But she wasn't carrying it. Like this movie would have been fine with a different one. Like these guys did a good enough job that when she came on board, I didn't feel like she was out acting everybody. Like it wasn't distracting how much better she. What I'm saying is we didn't have another Harry Styles situation on our hands. You know what I mean? Sure. Yeah. And I, I just think yeah. I definitely agree with Andrew more on this where like even though them being annoying middle schoolers is a realistic interpretation, the fact that there are seven of them is overwhelming and not always fun to watch. Yeah, I think And then the bully doesn't add is also like just as bad as the seven in terms of like annoying I know he's like supposed to be like 15 16 and able to that drive. That guy's on my nerves. But it's like he's still just as annoying as every other of the seven. And it's just it is every single like middle schooler trope just wrapped into a horror movie instead of like a teen drama. Yeah, I get if anything annoys me, it's how bullies are portrayed in, you know, middle school, high school movies. Yeah. Because I never saw it. Most of the time, if anyone's getting harassed, it's usually verbally. Rarely is it physical. And then I think this movie crosses a line, and you kind of have to just take it for what it is, that this is not a bully. This is like a juvenile delinquent who's going to end up in prison. Like when he gets to the point when he's yeah. trapped Ben and he's carving on his stomach, oh, I'm like, oh, this guy's going to prison. This yeah, is not that's not bullying. bullying. That is a crime. Yeah. So I'm like, oh, this guy is... This is assault and battery, and with he could have killed him, and all of his buddies are accomplices, so you guys are all going to prison as well. 
Um, and I was one of those things. I'm like, oh, this guy isn't a bully. He's a criminal. And I just, it took me a minute for that to click. Mm-hmm. I just don't think the movie portrayed that real well until he goes full criminal at the end. Yeah. He's like, I'm going to start trying to kill people. Um, but that, that was my pet peeve. I'm like, dude, the, the, these guys weren't just around, you know, being like, oh yeah, we have this one guy at our school who stabs people. I'm like, really? Is that, is that real? <laughs> Especially in a small town like that, I feel like you would curb that pretty quick. Yeah. Hey, the cops shouldn't know who your kid is. And if that's true, he's going to be in juvie real soon. Well, it's like they should. Well, and the worst part is, is he is a cop's son. Yeah, it is. And he's still and is maybe is part of the reason why he's able to get away with a little bit more is because his dad is a cop and he can kind of nip it at. Like when he gets caught, he can just keep it from going too far. But it's like, you could tell at the end when he's like, no, it was the start of chapter two when they were doing the flashbacks. And it's like, he's being arrested for murdering his dad that the other cops were all too pleased to, to be arresting him. I'm sure it's part mostly for them killing their coworker buddy. But it's like, there's definitely some pent up, like, finally we get to get this kid. Also, going on. This movie does a trope that I don't like where everyone's parents suck. Yeah. That, I got to, like, when I noticed it when the second person had a bad parent, I'm like, because there's, like, weird parents, and then there's, like, my parent hurts me. And I'm like, right now it's two and seven. And if we add the weird one in who's giving our kid placebos, that's half of you guys. That's not okay. And then we got like two sets of parents that are just, we don't and know anything Mike's about. Mike's parents really. burned alive Died. in a fire. Yeah. <laughs> and then his uncle's like, you can't kill sheep. I'm not raising a weak kid. I'm like, dude, what? Is all parents bad? All of them? The 80s must have so, sucked. Yeah. So that was just... Uh, this we've been very critical of elements about this movie, and so I, I want to pivot after I say this, where like some horror movies rely too much on disturbing th- concepts rather than turning normal concepts disturbing, and I think this movie does that half and half where a good chunk of like the best parts of this movie is when it makes normal things scary or already kind of creepy things. And it doubles down on that. I do not like when this movie is like, here's an already messed up thing. And we're just going to include that. Like I didn't need that. It's one of those things I'm like, I don't need to be more afraid of like my dad coming for me, you know? I'm like, that's not a scary movie. That's just yeah. like a bad family life. So like, can we turn this into where's it at? You know what I mean? Like, where's that supernatural yeah, thing? It, I don't need to, you know, watch a dad beating his kid with a belt, you know? And I think there are some scenes where it's tied in very well. Like the whole bathroom scene, like Wild. the whole bloody bathroom scene. Wild, Wild crazy, yeah. very well put together. Um. Mm-hmm. It's just that none of the other parents were tied in as well. So that yeah. So like I said, 
This movie excels when it does normal things scary. And that's kind of the point of Pennywise, right? Is he takes kids' already latent fears and then um, just makes them bigger. So those were the parts that I enjoyed. I think this movie, for what it wanted to be, is a really good length. Um, hey, I'm glad it didn't end the way that this would have ended in the book. Alex, are you familiar with the ending of, with the ending I don't know of part how one of the book? Anything's in the book goes. I think right. I remember them saying that this ending is the is way too dark. Like just should like, but I don't know what happened. You have to. So, hey, this the next ninety seconds is going to be TV MA. So just be ready for that. Um, at the end of part one in the book. In order to defeat Pennywise the first time, the kids need to essentially mature while they're in the sewers. And they need to reach adulthood. And so what they do is they have an orgy. That's right. And um, that's weird. Yeah, that's weird. Because it's it's the it's the tidbit that that I say whenever I'm talking about this IP. And there's no way it's to not like, think about it whenever I talk about it. There's yeah, exactly. Um It's like I, I was told it by said history teacher, and so every time this this property comes up, it's just like thank God they didn't include the underage. Dude, thank God I didn't read the book in the movie. You know? Yeah, you read the book and you're just kind of like, yeah, Stephen King was definitely on cocaine when he wrote this. So did Stephen King write a chapter two, like a second book about this? No, it's all one big book. So it's divided into two parts within the book. Like it's one of those like, this is the end of of part one. And then the next page is part two, but it's all one big book. Got you. Okay. And so, you know, Part two is the 27 years later. Um, Would you want to talk about bi- the will they, won't they between the okay. whole Bill Beverly Ben situation? I was going to, I was going to wait to bring that up until chapter two, but we can talk about this now. Yeah. I did not care. I didn't care. Yeah. It was annoying so, every time. It, I'm like, Hey, Beverly doesn't know. And Ben, you're not saying anything. Just, I just don't like, I'm over love triangles, bro. Shout out too. the freaking late. Ots. I felt like I was in Harry Potter and Twilight again, dude. It was uh, yeah. So it's it is the classic of just like the first movie ended with the classic no nothing earned girl gets with lead guy for because it's girl and lead guy even though there's definitely there's clearly a better choice and Beverly knew Ben was at least crushing on her at the end of the first movie because she did figure out who sent that. Dude, postcard. that's what I thought. And then did Me she just too. forget and that then, in the second? And then she's just like, whatever, I'm going to go kiss Bill anyway, right. just because he's right there. And then fi- at least they correct, they do correct it in part two, where it's just like, oh, he still loves me even after all these years, which honestly, dude, I get over it after 27 years. But movie's got a movie. I'll let it slide. And so it's like, at least they do correct it. And it's just like, oh, this is like, she gets with the person who's actually ever shown any interest in her other than it's like, she's the the female of the group. Right. 
but <laughs> it's it's too funny, bro. It was there could there could be this movie could lose the love subplot and lose absolutely yeah. nothing. No one's gonna stop watching this because there's no love triangle, bro. Uh, rating rating on this one. All right, the first one. I'm gonna let you guys go first because I freaking love this movie. No, yeah, I think uh, despite how critical I was during the conversation of it, yeah, I still think it's like a seven and a half. Yeah, same. It's like for me, it's like I'm nitpicking fine details. Like chapter one is a seven, just because I hate middle schoolers. Okay, I'm going. I'm going. It's like if it, if they were a little older. And, and what you don't like about it is what I love about it, which is why this movie is a eight point two five. All right. This is right. the best it, movie no. we've watched in a long time. And in, oh, I believe. And yes. as far as scary movies goes, it's the best movie we've watched for the podcast. And I stand by that. Um, okay. And so, it chapter two, I think these movies were not made to be watched back to back because I personally. I found myself growing weary of Pennywise's style of scaring with like 90 minutes left in the movie. Because well, this movie's also too long. It is. And this is where we get to the there are too many people in the group, even after one of them dies at the beginning. Because <laughs> when they this killed whole movie, Stanley, I'm like, whew, one last name to remember, bro. Glad I don't have to memorize who that older guy is. And so the point of this movie, the way this movie organizes itself is every adult has to go and face the fear that they accumulated as a child. But with six characters, that takes minimum an hour. And so it takes us an hour to set up, an hour for them to do the scary things, and then an hour to beat Pennywise. Yeah. And... The, yeah, it was it was too much. We could we could have cut forty minutes easy. If you could have you could have grouped up a couple of those like go face your fears and it would have made it so much better. But they they go out of their way to be like you have to do this alone. I'm like oh great. Well here's an hour hour and fifteen minutes. We're gonna have to watch each one of these guys go on their own personal journey. Here's the people that needed to go by themselves: Bill, Bev, end of list. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Because they're the ones who actually like we saw their we actually like were in their trauma with them in the right. first like ones. don't now you're gonna have to go it, back like, and reintroduce us to something that wasn't explained in the first movie. And what it feels like is very fabricated in the second movie. Yeah, like, hey, man, we second, didn't see that. No so Andrew and I watched this movie together in theaters. We went to go see it together. I think it was actually the first movie I saw when we moved to Virginia. When I remember watching this movie and when they get to the clubhouse part and they're like, "Yeah, you built us this cl- this clubhouse." And they start doing flashbacks for it. Like fabric Where was this last movie? Fabricated is a very good word to put on that because that's exactly it. It's just like, "I know, this feels this feels weird." Yeah, it feels like I a weird edition. Both these movies for the first time two days apart. And I looked over at Macy and I'm like, that wasn't in the last movie. I know that because I was 48 hours ago and that never happened. Mm-hmm. And then when they go into Eddie's fear too, when he pulls back the curtains and his mom's strapped in, I'm like, oh, that didn't exist before either. Well, and the, the thing is, is like all of the fears that they go face 
is so that all those fears were meant to have have occurred in like a 24 hour period after Billy punches. Yeah. Richie. Essentially in the middle of the last movie. Yeah. So it happens in the, so all those were supposed to happen in the middle of chapter one, uh, except for the clubhouse. The clubhouse they, took place after the events after, of the Pennywise. Yes. Right. And that is, but most of them were ha- were supposed to have taken place in the middle of chapter one, and we full and we're supposed to believe that none of them told any right. either you of their other people talk about that. When when we have established that they talk about that stuff, it's just like, oh my god, I just ran into Pennywise. And yeah, no one brings it back up when they group back up together. Well, that's fine because the last time. Like that 24 hours and then they meet back up. I'm like, none of you guys are freaking out. Nobody's sweating. No one's scared right now. Are you kidding me? You're all about to go in this house. Like this is no big deal. And you all had traumatic events in the last 24 hours. Are you serious? It just, I don't know. I felt weird. Also, how do we feel about whole uh, Beverly's vision situation? Um, it was a plot device. Yeah, it was. (laughs) yeah. It, it was, was a plot device. <laughs> it was the, it, the they didn't need it. It they could have just been like there could have been another way of just having like Pennywise show that they weren't going to make it another twenty seven years to to make it through another cycle, and it had to be done now. Was that like important, everything, or was that one of those things that was like in the book and we have to include it? Uh, I know I didn't read the book. I just yeah. know about it. Um. I uh, okay. I, I like everything that everything that happened with Beverly makes sense. Like the reason that she gets the visions is because she was the only one that saw the deadlights. That yeah. makes sense. But the fact that it's only used to keep them in dairy feels like a convenient yeah plot device. For me, it feels like oh, that was in the book, and we have to throw it in the movie because it's important. But we're not going to talk about it again. I think the same thing was with the deadlights in general. Like they'd have that yes. deadlights conversation, and then they have it again. Oh, not even again. It's when Beverly's seeking out her thing, and she sees the deadlights in that woman's chest, and then that's it. Mm. And then we're done with deadlights. Um, <laughs> how did I, I? I'm just thinking. I'm just thinking about Beverly. In that apartment. I just can't stop thinking yeah. about it. it. It's really... It's some real shining... Uh, it, it, it flashed me back to the shining where they go into the hotel room. And then it's... They walk the old... It just out walks an old late, a naked old lady from a bathtub. And I'm just like... I, I didn't like it when I watched The Shining. And I don't like it when I'm watching it now. I don't yeah, like cause... in scary movies when someone is held hostage by politeness. Like, sure. hey, you yeah. know something's off. You got what you needed. Leave. This whole, like, let me make you tea. I'm like, all right, but I really should get going. No, bro. Do you guys like living or would you rather just be polite? Because and, it has to and, be one or the other. And it is and, one thing when it's early. It's another thing when you're in the middle of it and you know stuff is going wrong. Oh, yeah. When you've seen people killed before, but you're like, ah, can't have this old lady who I've never met before hate me. And um, uh, that scene was in the trailer. 
uh, for that movie. And if I recall correctly, they showed the 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 scare of that scene of that woman uh, running at Beverly. However, what they obviously didn't show in the trailer is that she is very naked, mm-hmm. and I don't know that was th- that part wasn't even scary. It was just like. It's seared into my mind's eye, and I will never well, forget it. And also, for me, is like her. It's like they disproportion. They have they make her body have weird proportions to add to the horror. And usually, pr- proportions being off does work for horror. But for some reason, it just made her look goofy. Yeah. It was it not was a horror. Where because I know when we're when remember when Beverly's like in the other room and we can see behind her. Yeah, and she like, like scurries twitching. across. It's weird, bro. And I'm like, oh, that's scary. And then when she rushes out from like the black hallway, I'm like, this isn't as scary as I thought it was gonna be. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it might have been so this- that goofy proportions thing, but it it definitely was not as scary as I was anticipating. And so the scariest parts of this movie is for me is when we physically saw Pennywise the clown and he did like the slow kills. So um, Mm -hmm. when they're at the festival and he's like slowly bashing his head against the mirror, that's scary. The mirror. And then um, under the bleachers, under the bleachers. Yes. Um, Yeah. When he's like luring that little girl in and he has that little conversation. And so when he's counting and then she goes, you're supposed to say, and then he just gets yeah. her. Like yeah. those are the scary parts of that movie. When he when he's drooling during that scene too, because and it's just like because he's salivating. Normally, like drool is like a lot of times movie play drool as like they're they're not all, not all their faculties are there. It's like they can't control how okay. much saliva is in their mouth. Is yeah. but it's like it's clearly it's like he's just salivating like a dog does with food and it's just like that's that was real you can always tell something's about to go real wrong when you see that like drip of drool come off his lip okay this was something that i wanted to bring up uh that i forgot to until now i don't like how this movie starts with a hate crime i know yeah it seemed unnecessary dude it was when that was happening i'm like either this movie is going a completely other direction or they're trying. It it didn't feel good for the movie. And it goes back to the conversation we had about the first movie where I don't need to be scared of all things that already make me uncomfortable. Hey yeah. movie, I already don't like hate crimes. You don't have to convince me of that. I well, was like, if the movie wanted to do it, it would have been better to have, the bully from chapter one do it. I can't, I don't know why I can't remember his name. Bowers. Bowers. It would have been better to have Bowers do it because he was established to be a little bit, to be hateful, to be that closed minded, small minded kind of person. If, if Bowers had done it, it would have been better. And I understand for like how they written it, it couldn't have been him. It also would have made more sense to have Bowers do it. Because he becomes a secondary antagonist. Exactly. Well, he was also locked up in an institution. So, like, it, it logistically it doesn't work. I just mm-hmm. don't like how it was literally just to get a guy in a river to get attacked. Like, oh, there's a yeah. million other ways. He could have just been drunk and fell. 
Mm-hmm. We didn't have to have a hate crime to get him into the river. You know what I mean? And then to have that scene immediately bookended with Beverly still being abused domestically. I'm like, mm. I'm just so uncomfortable for the wrong reasons right now. Yeah. And it's, and they, because they also clearly set up with the hate crime that that younger kid was just like, he he's also gay, but it's like, he's in a crowd that doesn't accept it. So he's hiding it. It, but it's like that had no point. They never even introduce anyone involved in that again. And yeah. The only time it's used is they use the dead guy as one of the zombies in one of the in one of the personal scenes. Yeah, yeah. and like, well, and like the the scene had a like, it set a good tone after the dude was in the river and Pennywise picks him up, like that is like scary imagery right there. Right. And Mm -hmm. the rivers all balloons. Yeah. Yeah. So like, I don't want to say that. So like the destination was fine. That's what I'm saying, bro. The journey we took to get there was wild. Find another way to get him in the river. Find another way. Cause that that was, or find a way to make Bowers the guy who did it. Yeah. Now, I'm gonna t- I'm gonna pivot. We let's go to the third act for a little bit. And um, we did not need to go. We did not need to have an entire house sequence and an entire final confrontation sequence. Nope. We needed one of the two, or mm-hmm. or they Facts. needed to to be to be more smoothly integrated into each other. It was not because there was that break once they got to while they were down there before the final fight. Sk- like moments were happening. Yeah. When it they was, were doing like the sacrifices. Yeah. It, yeah. So as they were doing the sacrifices, but if they kind of like did a couple on the way down and kind of just drawn out the house scene into the sacrifice scene, it would have been more, it wouldn't have been so abrupt with it. Cause I, I realized when they were doing, when they were fighting Pennywise in that final confrontation, I'm like, we already saw half of these scares in the house and right. we had already seen those house scares in the last movie. Like and, the well, spider like, head was new. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Wasn't yeah. a fan of that. <laughs> and then the mirror carving. But another thing was like, are, is this scene so long? Because in the first movie it was so long. Cause they did a house and sewer thing in the last movie. But I mean, I think when it but, comes to this, I'm like, oh, I gotta realize that I need a budget ninety minutes for the final confrontation. Yeah, I need to know that when we leave the hotel and we decide we're gonna end this thing, we got ninety minutes of movie left, yeah. and that's well, obnoxious. Sometimes it's and an the hour, thing is, but it's, it's too like, long. In the first movie, it was house scene, things happen, and then sewer scene. In, in this, it was house scene, travel a little bit sewer scene so it's like the first movie had the benefit of a break between like a legitimate break between them where this one only had a minor transition yeah also also, the sewer scene in the first movie was 15 minutes well also there was i mean you could say that the sewer scene was going down the well bowers getting pushed them getting in like the actual sewer then saving beverly and then that final confrontation this dude, I don't even know why Beverly got pulled into the water in the sewers because everyone dives in. Right. And then because the, because the old lady from her personal journey drags her under. 
yeah, but like they just save her and that's it. Yeah. I'm like, Hey man, we didn't even see, we weren't, I wasn't even scared. We didn't see anything. She gets pulled under. Everyone jumps in except for Eddie. I guess that might've been why they did it is to show that Eddie froze again. But I'm like, but then they don't do anything with it. Yeah. I mean, we didn't, what happened down there? Like, is this important? Because now we're all out and we're cool now. So is that important? I don't know. It just felt it felt weird and like, hey man, it's been ten minutes since these guys were scared, so let's throw in another one. Um, this movie is funny too. Is this movie too funny? Is this movie too funny? I think the last. No. I think the first one was funnier than this movie. Okay. Um, Bill Hader I, definitely carries the comedy in this right. one. Yeah. And oh, what do you guys like, think duh, about but- like figuring out everyone's jobs? And then finding out that Bill Hader, um, Richie, is a legitimate stand-up comedian. I mean, I think everybody tracked. You know, I was never like, I don't see you as that. I yeah. think what disturbed me, I'm like, oh, so everyone's wildly successful? Are you telling Fair. me that this guy writes stuff that's in the movie? This guy is a touring comedian. This guy is a super successful architect. This woman married a tech giant and lives in a mansion of a house. And this guy does asset management for a huge company, makes hundreds of thousands of dollars. I'm like, everyone's successful except for the dude who didn't leave dairy. Also, hey, um, how come everybody gets to be successful and then uh, Beverly's success is marrying a dude? Yeah. (laughs) That's that's not good. As soon as they revealed her husband, I'm like, oh, so everyone married someone like their mother or dad or parent. That that happened a lot with Eddie too, right? Yep. Yeah, because he, he, he literally calls her mommy at one point. Yeah, bro. Um. As he should. <laughs> no, and I think uh, I think the trope they're going for is, look, the losers are no longer losers. That's and, a good point. And watch them revert back to their semi-losery self when they go back to Derry. Yeah, that makes but, sense. That tracks. So that I think that was the point of it, but we they do so little with the, who they are Status. as adults. Yeah, it's like who they are as adults. They do the most with Bill because they they do quite often make jokes as like, oh, he doesn't know how to write an ending because surprise, the story he's in isn't over yet. He so he doesn't right. know how to what an ending is. But it, they do keep referencing that fairly often. But literally the only lead up to Ben being an architect is when they shoehorn in that he built the clubhouse after the fact. Yeah. Oh my God. You're so Are you right. telling me building this clubhouse qualified you to make millions and millions and millions of dollars off of building buildings? I, the only reason I asked about the comedy thing is because I remember when this movie came out, a lot of people criticized this movie for being more of a comedy than a horror movie. So I That's was just wild. curious. No, it, dude. Got, when I no. saw spider legs come out of a dead dude's head, I'm like, nah, this movie isn't funny. Enough. <laughs> so, is, it, I pause and I'm like, oh, this is kind of gory. I don't know if I needed to see that. So chapter two definitely fell more into the tropes than chapter one of is you of using jokes to break the tension as comedic relief. And it, they were all just like one-off jokes. It wasn't, Chapter one did more comedic scenes to break the tension. Right. 
Well, mm-hmm. chapter two was just one-line jokes delivered by Bill Hader because we know he can deliver a solid one-liner. Yeah, and he was like one of the only funny people. Mm-hmm. Eddie had a yeah. couple of quips, but I'm like, he was the funny guy in the first movie. It was coming at you from all sides. Everyone had something in them. Yeah, mm-hmm. I like seeing James McAvoy. I'm happy when he shows up. I like James McAvoy. Um, his accent threw me off a couple times. I understand sure. it's hard to yell in a foreign accent. And then to Be- yell with a stutter with a foreign accent. Yeah, it was his act. There was a couple times where I'm like, oh, this guy's clearly British, trying his best. But other than that, I think he did a pretty good job. Mm-hmm. Definitely this stutter and the psychological stuff was definitely reminiscent of split a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know I, how I, I feel about he... Jessica Chastain. I don't know if she, she didn't feel very Beverly. I think it was uh, just like a redhead. That they Bill Hader and Jessica Chastain were both chosen by their child actors. Wolfheart. Uh, yeah. But here's the thing. Like if I I'm had not, a pick, uh, I'm, I'm not, I'm not like saying that they were the best. I think Bill Hader is a good choice for Richie. Yeah, I think Bill yeah. Hader did a good job. Uh, but like, just to kind of explain why Jessica Chastain was chosen, it's because Sophia Lillis wanted wanted it, and I'm like, but that's not fair, fair enough. That's not fair. It's no, it's not fair because this is a <laughs> what? high schooler doesn't get to pick. Then they all should have had A list celebrities. Then they all that's no. not fair. So if you look at the if you look at the trivia, they were all like the casting directors took like what the kids wanted, like and they were all like reached out to first, like to an extent. So like um, Mike's first choice was Chadwick Boseman, and the only reason he wasn't chosen was because he was uh, busy filming Black Panther. Yeah. So, so the answer is they did all choose A-listers. <laughs> this is it's, it's just so... that some of them were busy. Yeah. Also, I don't trust a kid's judgment, bro. I get I get it's cool to give them what they want. Hey, but also Alex, for the record, I would also I would trust a kid in the industry's judgment, which it, they all were. <laughs> okay. You want to go okay, he, hear me out. How long have they been in the industry? Fight. Fight. Ten I don't years know. max. Kiss, kiss, max. Kiss, kiss. <laughs> I think okay, this is a so, weird hill for you to die on. No, it's dude. You know what? Let's just have Millie Bobby Brown direct her own movies. She's already got her own production company, bro. This is obnoxious. She, she, that we're letting kids who've been in the industry, they've had one show or a couple movies, and we're like, you know what, dude? You can call the shots. Really? Because they're not even 18 yet. They can't even cash their own checks. Their parents are. And we're letting them choose who should be cast in the movie. Hear me well, out. Well, we should Jessica just stop Chastain. casting kids in movies at all. Yeah. All I'm saying, Jessica Chastain felt a little weird. That's it. That's all I'm saying. I uh, This movie's like, uh, this movie's fine. It, it got, like I said, the, the, big thing that weighs this movie down is the horror tropes got very repetitive on in like hour four of this five and a half hour journey so audience by the way it was two and two hours 49 minutes in case you were wondering but like actually was i'm combining both movies because they share the same tropes and uh and like pennywise uses the same way of scaring people like hey how can i add big teeth to this thing that's or, the scare. It's or multiple hands. How many? Yeah. How many times can we get people to talk into the dark sewer? So, like that is what I'm saying. Is like 
you know, in the five hours between these two movies, we saw the same kinds of scares frequently. And I think that it chapter two suffered because of it. Right. That's fair. All right. What's your rating, Craig? Uh, six and a half. All right. All right. So I'm going to update my chapter one. I'm going to, because I'm going to give it, I'm going to, I'm going to up it to seven and three quarter, but, it, but it's a seven and three quarter. I just can't watch that often because the middle schoolers annoy me too much. Uh, as for this, I'm, I'm going to bump it down a little bit to seven and a half. It is, it, it, I'm not going to lie. It gets a big plus for not having middle schoolers in it, but it is, it drags a little bit and there is, it doesn't flow as well through uh, the movie, but it is still a great movie. It's going to be a seven and a half for me. Yeah. I'm going to give it a seven and a half as well. It wasn't as good as the first one, in my opinion, but it was still a good movie. It was easy to watch. As far as the other scary movies we've watched, this one was hands down the easiest. It felt like a regular movie with scary elements the plot was relatively easy to follow, and the acting was pretty good across the board. So, easily deserves a, a seven and a half, in my opinion. Okay, we, uh, we can move on to the improv segment now. All right, this improv segment we got a brand new one. Um, it's called Scary Funny. Um, what we're gonna do is each one of us is gonna have like a two-minute pitch, and then the other two gets to interject one idea. That's going to make it hard for this pitch to be scary and it just makes it funny. And then at the end, we'll vote who had the scariest movie pitch. You can make it about however you want. You try to make it as scary as possible, but the other two are trying to negate that scary with funny. It's called scary funny. We'll see how it goes. Okay. Who wants to go first? It can't be the guest. That's not fair. So Craig. Okay. Then you get to go first. (laughs) Okay. All right. I'm thinking of a scary idea. Okay. I got one. Um, so I got two minutes on the clock, try to interject them relatively early. Cause if you, I mean, you can throw a wrench in the last 10 seconds, but I might still just have a scary movie. All right. So, so here, my movie breaks down like this. We have a family suburban Ohio. Um, and what you don't realize is that there's another person living in their house that they don't know about. But it is a professional stand-up comedian. Right. And this stand-up comedian... Is bad at his job. Is horrible at his job, right? Um, Can't afford living somewhere else. um, Can barely find gigs. And he's just struggling in this person's house. He can only go in and out at night when the family's sleeping. He frequently brings people over there. Hides them. But they're also bad stand-up comedians. More bad comedians, right. So this guy occasionally headlines in his intro and featuring act will come out and he'll hide him in the house. And the parents of this family only notice when they're checking their motion cameras at the middle of the night. They'll see a person just running across the living room. And then... But they're all doing weird runs. They're doing the funny runs. Like they're trying to... Yeah, they're all Naruto running. Right, but it's like it's in the pitch black. We're seeing it in black and white on their night vision cameras. And all of a sudden, you find out that these kids have imaginary friends that the parents haven't ever met. And it turns out that these comedians are sneaking into the kids' room in the middle of the night and having conversations. They're basically And they're just testing out their it. material, yeah. Right, they're just running bits. So these kids are coming back with words from these imaginary friends. 
um, that the parents haven't heard of. They're coming up with ideas and just telling stories, full-fledged comedic stories to their parents. And these guys are like, whoa, these are the weirdest imaginary friends. And that's when they look on the cameras in their kids' room and they find out they have other people living in their house. So, spoiler alert, they end up setting their house on fire, but what they don't realize is they set it on fire and the comedians aren't there. So when they move to their next house, they follow them. But the comedians pay for the burnt house. Well, my pitch is over. So I'm not going <laughs> to include that last part. Yeah, um, we're going to... We're going to call this... Uh, funny House? I don't know. That It's literally just sure. the end of Monsters, Inc. Yeah. Um, so that's, that's my movie pitch. Uh, Craig, do you want to go next? Do you want to have Andrew do it? Sure, I'll go next. Um, okay. This movie is about um, a society that lives far removed from modern culture. And okay. uh, there's one person that is like, uh, he wants to be, he, he's done with modern culture. So he finds this far remote tribe in like mi- middle Utah. And he's like, I want to join them. So I'm no longer part of society. The whole reason he wants to do this is because, more, and the whole reason he wants to do it is because he's a failed stand-up comedian. Oh my god! <laughs> Got him. Okay. Um. So yeah, he goes to this group of um Mormons, and he uh, he walks in, and what he, he what he notices is you know everybody has multiple wives, and he walks in, and he just goes, "Hey, what's the deal with that?" And nobody responds because they don't know how to. Yeah. Um. And that's right. Uh, <laughs> so this guy slowly starts to get ingrained in their culture, but the deeper he gets into this culture, the more he learns that like these aren't just regular Mormons; they're like freaky Mormons. And freaky um, in the sheets. They're the kinkiest yeah, exactly. Mormons he's ever met. And that's so they have this to be away movie... because regular Mormon society won't take them because they're too kinky. <laughs> Yeah, so this movie is like, it's a new genre of horror. It's called sex horror. And uh, basically, it's just like 110 minutes of this stand-up comedian walking into somebody's room and being like, oh, God, sorry, sorry, I didn't know. Oh, you should have, uh, the door was cre- the door was cracked open. I like, I should have known. And so it's just uh, you like peeking into rooms and seeing just the weirdest things that you've ever seen in the we bedroom. We this podcast, Craig. No, we don't. But I'm not talking weird like, oh, you put that up your butt. I'm talking weird like, um, like your mom's involved. Okay, um, that's time. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, you got a name and, for it? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so this movie is called CLDS. Nice. Common. I like that. It's but it's so it's called CLDS colon. Common Love Demonstration Services. I don't know. (laughs) All right, Andrew, you're up. All right, let's go. So we open up on just an average suburban household. An elderly woman is living by herself, like clearly a widow. She's got pictures of the elderly woman is Jill Biden. Exactly. So she's got she's got pictures of a Joe Biden Clearly a few years after he has passed away. 
And so in order to... The year is 2025. year is 2025. <laughs> but in order to stave off the loneliness, she has started collecting porcelain dolls. And so she goes out to a high-end, because it is Jill Biden, thrift market, at flea market. There we go. That's the term I was looking for. To a high-end flea market, and she just buys this really nice, really expensive porcelain doll from the Victorian era. Of? You love him, you hate him. Donald Trump's ancestor. Exactly. And that is... She plans on just locking it in a glass case and just throwing insults at it all day long. Yeah. But eventually... It starts throwing insults back at her. Yep. All of them racist slurs. All of Of course. And so eventually one night she finds the porcelain doll of Donald Trump's ancestor. Just which I cannot express enough is an weird orange porcelain. (laughs) Right. Yeah, it well it's it's a but it's a really bad paint job and it, it's starting to crack in a few places. Yeah. Especially yeah. and more and more as the movie goes on. But the when it really starts getting weird is when she wakes up to it sitting on the couch watching Fox News one day. <laughs> and it's serenading the television with the American national anthem. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And it says the Pledge of Allegiance every midnight. Even even though this ancestor is very definitely German, oh, so yeah. Well, Andrew, so I hate to do this to you, but that is time. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! <laughs> Got a name for that bad boy? Oh, Orange House. So we got Orange sure. House, Fun House, and CLDS. Yeah. <laughs> All right. If we can't vote for our own, I'm going to say Craig's was scarier. Yeah, Craig's is probably scarier. Then I don't need to vote. <laughs> I want to know who you vote for. <laughs> um, I know. I think Andrew's just because porcelain dolls are inherently spooky. Sure, man. Hey, audience, uh, hit up Craig. Tell him what you think. Don't hit up me because we all know I'm not going to respond. Um. But definitely well, let us know it's who be had at the least scariest another pitch. Another year before I'm back on, so <laughs> right. All right, just let us know who got the scariest pitch. Now, Andrew, our guest yes. has prepared a middle segment. What do you have for us, Andrew? So I was sitting here. I was. I had week, week and a half to prepare, and I was just like, I could not come up with a unique original middle segment. So I just went with Welcome an old. Welcome to our job, buddy. <laughs> so I just went this with is an old week to week. So, I don't know about how recently this has been done, but it hasn't been done in at least a little bit for what I've listened to. We're doing a Bracket Boys. Hey, I can do a Bracket Boys. Yeah, it's been a minute. We haven't done it since Terminator. So, this Bracket Boys is going to be all of the movies you've watched for the last two Halloweens. Dope. You've done eight movies. I'm I'm counting the it movies as one because it was one episode. Makes sense to me. So paired off, we have Halloween in the number one seed versus Friday the thirteenth in the number eight. 
How did you pull these seeds, Andrew? Uh, I took their IMDb scores, and whichever was the highest was number one. Whichever was okay. Was I just wanted was, to make sure. Yep. There so, was mythology to this. Yep. Seeds are based on IMDb scores. Well, that's a bummer. Because uh, <laughs> Friday the Thirteenth does not deserve to be eighth seed. What? Yeah. Um, yeah. Friday. The- <laughs> If you want their IMDb scores, I got them. So. Oh, I, I don't no care. No worries. Uh, yeah, Friday the 13th is the winner of, of that specific pair-up. I think it's close. I want to go Halloween. I think historically, if you pull like the actual ratings, Halloween scored higher for me. But the disparity on Craig's scores, it's so large that I think we, <laughs> yeah. should, we should go for a Nightmare on <laughs> Elm Street for that one. Well, it was Friday the 13th, but... Yeah, so yeah you know what I mean. Halloween versus Friday. So, okay, so Friday the 13th wins that one. Next is our number two seed, Saw, versus our number seven seed, Child's Play. I think we got to go Saw on that one, dude. I do, too. I would have conceded. Listen, I know. Wait, hey. I I remember my review of Child's Play. I would have conceded if I needed to, but, like, Saw definitely, I think, takes the cake on that one. Yeah, Saw was pretty good. I also want to preface this with I the Saw podcast has not come out at the time of this recording, so I have no idea what their reviews are for this thing. Fine. Uh, it was fine. So, <laughs> next is Nightmare on Elm Street versus It. This one's a tough one for me. It's not for me. It's I It know all it the way, dude. It all the way. Now, if we had a, if we had watched the original It, it'd be close. But this sure. new it, banging, bro. Wall to wall, banging. Yeah, I know. I think for me, the the experience of both movies equal. If it was just the first it versus Nightmare on Elm Street, I would happily go with it. But having it chapter two tagged along with it too, I think weighs it down enough to where I found the creativity of Nightmare on Elm Street way more fascinating than what went on in the combined two of those movies. If that yeah, makes sense. Yeah, but there's sense. also more Nightmare on Elm Street movies we just haven't watched. So maybe if you watch the second one, it would tarnish the whole series for you. Yeah, but So we like, can't punish it because you know more about it. But I also don't think that like the rest of the Nightmare on Elm Street movies were meant to like it was always meant to be these two movies and nothing more, nothing less. You know what I mean? Yeah, um, dude, I'm not gonna lie to you, I can't budge on it. I, I and I'm willing to concede. I just need to give Nightmare on Elm Street its uh its due process okay, before that's we fair. we we All throw right. it into the river. I All also right, so. value being scared, and I vividly remember Nightmare on Elm Street not scaring me at all. However, the bloody bed scene where it's Terrifying. shooting up onto the ceiling. It's grade A cinema. Okay. So, and then finally, we have Scream versus Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Scream. We got to. Scream. Texas Chainsaw God. Massacre is a massacre. It's so bad. That movie sucks. <laughs> that movie's a fever dream. <laughs> oh. What, what does that see? What does Texas Chainsaw Massacre seed? Uh, five. Yikes, bro. Yes. Scream is four. Texas Chainsaw Massacre is five. People suck. And they both come in at IMDb at 7.4. Too high. Too high. Like, I get it for Scream. Like, I disagree, but I get it. 
Right. I don't. Yeah, tech, what are we come doing? on. <laughs> what are we doing? All right. Uh, so now we've got Friday versus Friday the Thirteenth versus Saw. Uh, <laughs> this is great. Jason, a comedy okay, podcast so here's the right thing. Here. Friday the Thirteenth. Jason, not Jason, the, but it's not. It's Jason's mom. Spoiler. Yeah. Hey, man, that was <laughs> sixty <year> podcasts ago. <laughs> um, it's Jason's mom, and I think for that reason, I think the the subsequent um ones would be better subsequent okay. friday 13th um i find it hard to say that jason's mom beats you know jigsaw but i will all let me put this out there that they have this is actually a very interesting combination of movies to pair up because they both have it's not the killer you think it was plot right. twists mm-hmm and I think that Friday the 13th lives in its plot twist a little bit longer. Meanwhile, Saw ends with the plot twist. Like, that is the ending of the movie. And it right. doesn't live in it at all. Um, and, and, you know, I don't think one is necessarily better than the other because of it. I think it's just an interesting thing to bring up. Um, I think I rated Friday the 13th higher than I rated Saw. I think Saw, we both agreed, was a cool concept, but execution was a little wonky. Right. Um, I think Friday the 13th did a good job of just letting itself have fun. I'm not going to... I don't have a hard line on this. I'm, I'm leaning towards Saw, but... I think both sequels to these movies are better than the originals. So having seen neither of them, having seen neither of them, <laughs> I'm, I'm willing to concede whatever you want. Um, let's go. I, I think just for iconic for iconic sake, let's go for Friday. Okay. All right. Friday t- moves on to the next round. This I puts- know Andrew, you had a little stink on that one. All right. <laughs> if you say so, <laughs> No, it, well, it, we, uh, the number one seed was eliminated in the first round. The number two seed is eliminated in the second round. Yeah, that's what we're about here at Permanent yeah, Good. It all means right? that the average Joe needs is to wrong. watch all the movies that we watch and see if their taste develops. Because you guys are all casuals. All right, so next pairing for this round is It versus Scream. It definitely, yeah. yeah. I'll, I'll <laughs> no, make that hard line. Yeah, definitely yeah. it. <laughs> All right, too easy. I love, I love how Scream was the definite winner and got stomped on in the next bracket. <laughs> yeah. Like, like it, it wasn't was that Scream demo- was good. It's that Texas Chainsaw Massacre is so bad. <laughs> All right. So for uh, the final pairing, we got Friday the Thirteenth versus It. Yeah, it, it's got to be it. it like, yeah, yeah I, I'm I'm willing to acknowledge that. Yeah, well, I was actually nervous watching it. And Friday the 13th, I'm like, this cinematically is cool to watch. But I'm not scared. Sure, yeah. Yeah. There we go. Shout All out right. It, dude. On it, the It episode. It, officially the best horror movie that has been watched for Halloween on Permanent Good. 
Well, I think it's not fair that you didn't put Hubie Halloween in there, but <laughs> yeah. whatever. Hey, I was going off we'll the list you sent me. <laughs> Shout out Hubie Halloween. <laughs> okay, it versus Hubie Halloween. Go. Hubie Halloween, duh. Next. Yeah, hands down. Not even close, actually. <laughs> any movie with Adam Sandler beats any movie with Jessica Chastain, apparently. <laughs> All right, Craig, um, what you got for our one hit? Uh, this one hit is called Problem Solvers. Um, this is one of the ones that I have a few prepared, and then you guys can throw a few in there, too. Uh, very simple. I'm going to give like a one sentence scenario and then we just have to give some solutions on how to solve the problem. Okay. Yeah, okay. sure. Why not, dude? All right. Um, what would you do if uh, all your friends have better computers than you and you're jealous of them? Uh, Cox gun shoots one and steals one. I mean, what was that? I'm glad you give threw to- in the and you're jealous of them because most of the time I couldn't care less. Andrew, give give me yours again. That one kind of flew by uh, me. Cox gun. Kill one. Then you just take their computer. They don't need it anymore. Hmm. Interesting. Right. I guess that right. is technically a solution. It is a answer. Look, we um, hadn't had I'm a Cox thinking... gun yet, so we ha- I had to throw it in there somewhere. Okay. That's you cool. didn't. I'm going to... Um, so I think that if I have enough friends that have better computers than me, I'm just going to part steal one from each of them until I have my own, you know, like uh, ship of Theseus uh, computer. Well, the fact that all of your friends have better computers than you means like just be better than one of them. You know what I mean? Pull, get your close friends. Leave one guy out and be like, hey, guy, <laughs> I can't be the one with the worst one. Look at that guy. And maybe they'll help you out. Also, you might just be the poorest of the group. So start a GoFundMe or something. Okay, what if... Um, so I get off work really late. And when I get off work, everywhere is closed. And yep. I can't get food after work. Mm-hmm. Just order uh, food Everywhere is open when you have a gun. Hey, guys, I don't like the direction we're taking this. <laughs> also, that's not true. I if I, if I roll up to an empty building with a gun, that doesn't change anything. Well, then you, you well, no, you lock, just go in, start chefing it up, bro. You think yeah. I know how to operate a fryer? Doesn't have to. Yeah, you could work an oven and a grill. All right. Just, <laughs> just DoorDash, what, whatever you want to your place of work before they close, and you then you can just save it yeah, there. Yeah, just put it in your car, put it in the in the fridge, in the break room, or something. That's probably the the better answer. If I had yeah. to pick one, Alex, did you you sounded like you had one? I always feel like I have one. All right, so I got a problem, right? I got to get a motorcycle, and the wife is hesitant. I think is a good word. Now I'm gonna get it anyway, right? Um, because that's just who I am. But I need to find a way to make it up to her. That doesn't sound like I'm just doing this so I can get a motorcycle. You know what I mean? Like, I can't yeah. just have it be like, oh, you're only doing this because you need to get a motorcycle. How do I show, like, genuine happiness without it looking so much like a trade? Okay, so the thing about it is you got to make sure that there's time between the two events, right? Okay. Because yeah. if they happen in, in sequence, then they're tied to each other. So get the motorcycle, wait, like, mm, six months, then do something nice. And then she won't think that they're connected at all. Here's the concern, though. I might have to deal with a person who's upset at, upset with me 
for six months. You know? Okay. Well, you can <laughs> Eggs always and go. <laughs> you can always go the gas economy route because motorcycles get literally like if you get a decent one. I know you can get to like over a hundred miles a gallon on a on a bike, and even yeah. if you get like an old cheap one, it's still in like the forties and fifties. So I you think can she's always more concerned go about the whole crashing part. Maybe I can sell. Okay. Gas okay. Crash. Okay. So here's what you do. Crash once so you know how bad it is yeah, and how like, to hey, recover from it. Just wrecked. Well, it's not also, that bad. You've already crashed <laughs> once. You and so you know exactly how bad it is. You have crashed once already. <laughs> hey, guess what? That was pretty rough. She did not like that at all. To be honest, it almost made me not get a motorcycle this time. Well, She's holding it against me. But but you weren't wearing your road leathers at the time. You will be wearing your road leathers on your right. su- on your when you're riding. Okay. Your bike. No, Andrew brings up a good point. Get a motorcycle outfit that makes you look so hot and attractive that like it outweighs the danger. And you yeah, and you you get the motorcycle outfit before you get the motorcycle. Because then you're just like, well, what am I going to do with this motorcycle outfit without a motorcycle? Yeah, and just it wear it around way. the house. I think I need to do it the other way because she's going to be like, well, you already have the outfit. I don't need that other thing. But I'm just going to be a poser, you know? So maybe I need to get the motorcycle <laughs> and be like, do you know what comes with this motorcycle? This outfit. Check how sick this jacket is. Maybe that's And right. then make sure you walk in with the biggest helmet you can find. You <laughs> right. Do some, do I'm some talking like a dead mouse helmet. Football helmet. Do some shopping with her beforehand. Get her like get that seed planted in her mind beforehand. Uh, it's mm-hmm. like, oh, I look really good in this jacket, but it's like I can't have this jacket without a motorcycle because then I'd just be a poser. I am a little concerned that she's going to see this as an opportunity to embarrass me because she doesn't want me to do this. She's gonna be like, I guess you're going to get an all pink outfit, huh? So <laughs> don't know if we can leave it in her hands. Uh, Andrew, um, do you have a, a problem you need to workshop with you? Uh, yeah, so I just came back from a nine-month deployment in Africa, and I have no idea how to be in the United States again. All right, go on Tinder. Okay. Put the put the words "war hero" in your bio. <laughs> got it. Got it. Got it. Yeah. That should solve all your problems. <laughs> so, Andrew, here's what you do. Okay, you. Okay. Go back to your friends that you had before you left, and then you start hanging out with them. Uh, you slowly realize that, oh, I don't really fit in their lives like I used to. Like, they kind of lived their own lives while I was gone, and, like, I'm still kind of where I was nine months ago. And, you know, that's going to eat at you for a little while, and it's going to be like, man, like, are the friends that I have now really still my friends? And then that's going to eat at you for a little while, and then that's going to cause you to just kind of um, move somewhere else. So what you need to do is you need to switch your life up a second time, all right? You got to have these two big changes back to back. So your two options are move to Oregon or get someone pregnant. I don't want to go to Oregon because there's a high chance they're about to elect a Republican governor. Then pregnancy it is. All right. Well, Both they, of you to assume. they do elect a Republican governor, then maybe pregnancy is not the way to go. <laughs> <laughs> Two. Both of you to assume I had friends before I went on the deployment. Well, talking to two of them <laughs> says he doesn't have any friends. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, does that help? Does that help? Uh, yes. If if I say yes, does this segment end? Well, yes. <laughs> But also, no. (laughs) 
but also the Tinder idea was 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 pretty good. Um, that'll conclude our our uh, one hit. If you liked it, I'm glad you enjoyed part of this episode. If you hated it, well, it's never coming back. No. Uh, free balling. Free ballin'. Free ballin'. I'll let somebody else go first. All right. I'll go. I'll go. A little bit ago, I watched a Netflix movie, small budget film called Blonde. It's got my girl, Ana de Armas in it, bro. Um, doesn't have bad, doesn't have good reviews. Let's just say that. Doesn't have good reviews. It's also very long. It's also rated NC-17, which is like worse than R. Mm-hmm. Um, interesting, interesting. I was convinced these people just didn't see the art. Um, I stand by Anna and everything she puts out, even though she's put out like six movies in English. It's pretty easy to stand by a person with a six year track record. Boy, oh boy, was I wrong. That movie oh. was bad, bro. It's bad. First of all, I didn't know that it was going to be much more film than movie. It's so much film. It's so artsy. Um, also, it's not based on a true story. It's based off a person. And that's about where the real stuff ends. So I most of the time you can walk away from a biopic or biopic if you like it that way. And feel like, oh, I didn't know that about this person. It doesn't matter with this movie because more than half the movie is fiction. They completely made it up. So I dedicated three hours of my life. To something that's not even true about a real person. Um, the acting was shoddy. The writing sucks. Um, there is more than one sexual assault scene. Uh, and they're long, most of them. Uh, feels gross. Um, and by the end of the movie, you're like, I've just watched bad things happen to this person over and over and over again. And there is little to no resolution. You telling me that this movie is bad is the greatest sigh of relief that I've ever heard. Because that means I don't have to watch it. It's <laughs> rough, bro. It's rough. And then there's a bunch of like pet peevey stuff. Like she's in with JFK and she's in with Joe DiMaggio and she's in with like other people. And they're not allowed oh. to reference them by name because I think of like lawsuits. So yeah, it's like just like troubles. The president. Or the baseball player. I'm like, we all know who this is. So that's annoying. Um, It was just like too much nudity. More than half the sex wasn't consensual. And the scenes are long. So I'm just sitting there just like plus 30 seconds, plus 30 seconds, plus 30 seconds, plus 30 seconds. It just, it felt weird, bro. Um, Yeah. Don't recommend it. Literally. Want to give that bad boy a rating? Uh. 3.75. 3.75. Yeah. Fair enough. Yeah. It is artsy enough. Also, you have to get used to them switching between full screen and widescreen all over Ooh, the place. All over the place. Also, you have to get used to them switching between black and white and color all over the place. So it's a, uh, that makes a little more sense, but like just based on like if it's like time based, like if nope. it's like t- it's oh, just oh. random, just random. It, yes. dude, don't recommend. I do not recommend. Andrew, want to follow up that bad boy? <laughs> yeah, so we're going to make a real hard pivot to uh, 
because I talked about it before on the podcast, but this was back when it was only season one. I'm going to bring up Motherland Fort Salem on it originally airing on Freeform, but I watch it on Hulu. Uh, they just, while I was on deployment, they came out with the third season and I God, was finally how able many to get... times are you going to bring up deployment? Oh my God. Hey, be glad it's not more. <laughs> right. Uh, but I finally got around to watching season three and it was, it was a great show. I love this show. It is one of my favorite TV shows, but so Season three ends just it just kind of ends the current arc that they that the last three seasons have been going on, and there's gonna there's gonna be a fourth season, but the fourth season is confirmed to be the final season, oh. and and I'm just like, what are you gonna do with this fourth season? It's like the world has a lot there's a lot more story to tell in this world the world that has been built has a lot more potential to it if they wanted to explore it but in my opinion it's shouldn't be a fourth season it is it should be a sequel series not it it should be the mother motherland fort salem should have ended at season 3 and then they just put money into a uh, second season to explore the ramifications of what has happened during Fort Salem. Mm-hmm. But no, we're just, it's going to be a fourth season that I have no idea where they're going to go with it. And it's like, am I going to watch it? Absolutely. Am I a little nervous about what they're going to do with it? 100%. Uh, see, this is why we probably shouldn't go walking around placing a lot of value on shows and movies, because if I know anything, the industry is really good at letting people down. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's just like, they had a great ending to, at season three, and it's just like, all right, cut this, se- because I knew there was going to be a fourth season before I, before I had finished the end of season three. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, okay, maybe there's going to be a cliffhanger that like better sets up for a fourth season. No, like it would have been the the final scene of season three was a f- fan, maybe not a fantastic, but it was a pretty solid series finale ending as well. And I'm just like, mm-hmm. oh, this would be just so much better if they could just if they just cut it there, and then just made a, a sequel series. Well, we all make mistakes. Hopefully, hopefully they, the writers know what they're doing. Hopefully. I hope. All right. If you, if you had to give it a rating. If I, so season three, I'm going to give it a seven and a quarter. Okay. Mother, motherhood for like, yeah. Motherland Fort Salem as a series up to this point, I'm going to give it a seven and a half. That's a solid wreck right there. Mm Mm-hmm. And I recognize it's not for everyone, but it is for mm-hmm. me. So I just want to throw sure. that out there as well. I respect that. New season of The Mole. Oh, no. I knew it. It's not that great. It's good television, baby. If you've been listening to this podcast for a while, you know that The Mole is my favorite reality show. And I've been waiting 20 years for a new season to come out. And finally, finally, Netflix has gifted me this one crumb of light in an infinite world of darkness. 
And and listen, listen. It is it is a modern reality show, and it bears the burdens that every modern reality show carries now. There's a lot of it that feels fake. Obviously, a lot of like the post-challenge interviews are pre-scripted. A lot of this stuff, like the challenges feel real, but a lot of character motivations definitely feel like a producer kind of like tap them on the shoulder and be like, hey, wouldn't it be cool if you did this? So like, I understand all that stuff is there. However, that show does such a good job at ringing suspense out of every episode. I have not seen a show end with such good cliffhangers than like like season three of The Flash. Like, I remember like marathoning The Flash with like a significant other and being like, well, let's just watch one more episode. And then they cliffhanger and I'm like, all right, let's just watch one more episode. I haven't had that feeling in like in like six or seven years that I have with this show. And so, I don't know. There, The show has like characters or like people on the show that you really like. And there are people that like you love to hate. I, ooh, it's been a long time since I've watched a reality show with a contestant that I love to hate. I want to throw in my two cents here. Because yes. I attempted to watch the first episode and I, yes, I asked people to watch through. the show and I, I, I gave it a shot on your behalf. I could not get through the first challenge of the first episode because oh I could feel the hand of the producer through the whole thing. And it's like, I under, it's like, I don't mind. I get reality shows are going to have a little touch here, a little touch there. But when I can tell, when I, when I can practically see their hand in the shot, I got to draw a line there. And and here's where I knew that I was going to let... Because I had a very similar fear of it being too much. But the, the moment I knew I was going to enjoy this show was... There is a very obvious candidate for who the mole is going to be. Right. And, the, and we are shown... A contestant that's like, I'm going to take the quiz on who I think the mole is and I'm going to I'm going to double down on this person and I'm going to answer every question that the mole is this person. And then he got eliminated that episode. Mm -hmm. And so and so I'm like, oh, so we really have a mystery afoot, don't we? And so like one person, like the most suspicious person got cleared immediately. And I'm like, all right, all right, you got me, show. I'm in. I'm in for this little mystery of yours. And uh, I think this season of The Mole has my favorite reality show moment of, like, any show that I've seen. Uh, It's just, like, there's one person screws the group over so hard for her own selfish intentions. And the ramifications of it are just so juicy. And I loved watching the group just completely turn on her for being an idiot. Ooh, it was so (laughs) satisfying to watch. Because the strategy, right, is to screw over the group so you can get further, but not so bad that they think you're the mole. Opposite. So you want... Yeah, you want you want the group to do well so you can earn money for the pot as a contestant. Got but you. 
but a lot of people's strategy is to screw up just enough so that other people think that they are the mole. So when they take the quiz, they're wrong and get eliminated. Oh, boy. Yeah. This and watching dude, people do that it. is satisfying as hell. <laughs> All right. All right. So we got two wrecks and a couldn't be further, which is a pretty good ratio, I would say. That means yeah. we're not all wasting our time, just me. Some of us. <laughs> just the right, person we'll with the, the least no- amount of time to waste. I would love to see the numbers on you guys, like, since you guys started doing the moonlighting and, like, the this whole, like, what am I watching in my free time? No, I would say, love the to see the say the name of the segment, Andrew. Say the name. Say the name of the segment, Andrew. Free balling. Free there we go. <laughs> yeah. free Ever since you started the free balling segment, like, what your ratio of recommends to don't recommends are just to know like how much of your lives you guys are wasting just on your own volition yeah uh super fans do the math please and send it in to craig because i'm not doing that (laughs) next week uh new month new theme we're doing a month of micro themes so what we're going to be doing is we're going to be watching two movies that uh fit in a theme that's either not big enough or too boring to have its own month of themes. And yeah, so, we should. There's a couple of things that themes that we've done that should have been micro themes. For instance, didn't know that Craig was going to hate musician biopics so much. Should have been a micro theme. <laughs> um, um, so this is kind of our our chance to dip our toes into some stuff to see if we even like the movies. And this week's movie theme is movies that were supposed to be the start of a series. But we're so bad they had to cancel the sequel or movies with a canceled sequel. Yeah. And so that's one of those that's one of those themes that we couldn't do a full month on. We could, the content is there. We would just hate ourselves yeah, for a month. The whole concept is the movie was so bad they had to cancel all association with it, which means we're going to watch movies that were not good enough. Can't fit we're not gonna watch four movies. So we're we've picked two. Ender's Game, the 2013 one with uh, Harrison Ford. Harrison Ford. I almost said Woody Harrelson. Not the same guy. And The Last Airbender from 2010. The yeah, live uh, action uh, adaptation movie of the TV show. Yeah. The Yeah. And then if you guys can guess the theme of the themes, first person to guess it gets like a free Xbox or something. Yeah, he doesn't speak for us. See, this is why we don't bring guests on. We do it once a year, and they start handing out free stuff. Um, If you try to take us up on that, our lawyers get involved. So, I wouldn't recommend it. Weird. Andrew just got a timeout from the Discord channel. That's crazy. Uh, (laughs) Wow. Wow. I didn't know know that. Wow. Crazy. Um, (laughs) 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 Anyway, my name is Craig Wells, a.k.a. Permanent Handle. And I'm Alex Good, a.k.a. Alex Good. And somewhere our guest, uh, Andrew Wells, a.k.a. Andrew Wells, is uh, screaming into the void. Um, <laughs> I'm sure he'll say something that, uh, we'll put in, that I'll put in the end. Anyway, have fun, be safe, and make good choices. And while you're at it, tell your mom I said hi. See you next week. Deuces.
it's almost like I'm also recording on Discord. It, not Discord, Audible, and I'm still going to send you that audio recording with all of these words in it. That is probably going to be edited out, but I'm going to call Coward if I listen to this episode and I don't hear all this long rambling conversation afterwards. So it's your move, Craig. <laughs>